Well, hey there. Welcome to The Real Podcast, hosted by Jason Kaliba. We think that real people are interesting, not just celebrities and superstars, but also the guy standing in line next to you at the grocery store and the kid beside you in church. We're passionate about sharing the stories and insights of those people, real people, so that you're challenged and maybe even inspired to grow. If you'd like additional resources or more information about our guests, check out our webpage at cochranalliance.com backslash real. So, let's get real. Okay, here we go. I think that religious people do something unique, uh, and probably some would even say strange, when they get together for services or gatherings. Uh, And that is, we don't just gather to listen to someone talk or to learn. Usually, at least in the Christian environment, we tell an unseen person how great we think he is. We pray, we give him honor, we make offerings or sacrifices through finance um, and we over and over again week after week uh, tell God how awesome he is and the the action or the verb I guess would be we come to worship and uh, certainly worship is not unique to the Christian faith only there are other faiths uh, have their worship practices but in a society like in Canada, I think that it's hard to find something comparable, although maybe theologically we could make the argument that everyone's worshiping something. Maybe the best analogy would be when we go to a hockey game or some sporting event, there's praise and clapping and excitement. But I think we would stop short of like, saying that we're there to give the hockey players honor and tell much them how much we love them and how we want to give our lives away from them. Maybe there's some real dedicated fans that would go that far, but we would consider them odd, unusual, and probably they should talk to someone to get help for how far they've gone in their worship of uh, uh, sporting players or a team. And yet, in the Christian world and in the church, It's something that is encouraged and something that we've been doing for thousands of years. In fact, worship of God predates Jesus. And so since worship is such a big part of what I do as a pastor in my day job, it's such a big part of the church community at large, I thought it would be useful to spend some time talking about the practice, the art, the uniqueness that is Christian worship. And so uh, it's my privilege today to welcome into the real studio uh, uh, two friends, one brand new to me, uh, Joe Sinanen, and uh, my friend Randall Heyer, who serves, serves alongside me here as worship pastor at Cochrane Alliance. Gentlemen, welcome to the real studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, We'll start with the more interesting person, Randall. Uh, Joe, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, who your family is, what you do with your day job. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, so I've, I'm married. I have two wonderful girls who are 12 and 14, 
and uh, been married for over 20 years. Uh, been living in Calgary that whole time. Grew up as a missionary's kid um, when I was younger, um, and uh, been back and forth between Calgary and Trinidad and Tobago, hmm. where actually my family's originally from, except when my parents came here, they went back to Trinidad as, as missionaries. And, um, and so experienced that uh, growing up on the mission field a little bit. Uh, was always the Canadian kid on the mission field. Mm. <laughs> and um, so always felt like a foreigner, even though my family's from Trinidad, always felt like a foreigner in Trinidad. Uh, so Calgary's home. And, um, and certainly feel very, very called to, by God, to be in Calgary. And um, uh, my wife and I are the national directors for the Burn 24-7, which is a global worship, prayer, and missions movement. And um, if you don't know exactly what the burn is, you could check it out on our website at uh, burn24-7.com. See all the detail details there, but to give it a short description, uh, we basically gather um, with believers from all different denominations and churches, and uh, we do extended times of worship and prayer, and uh, believing that as we worship, um, that we are hosting the presence of God. And, uh, and as we worship, we're, we're shifting the spiritual atmosphere. And uh, so we do these events in Calgary. We've been doing them since 2011. Um, it actually started in Canada at the Olympics in 2010. So this is actually the 10th year of the burn in Canada. Wow. And, um, but in Calgary, we, we started doing them in 2011. Um, and, and right now we're doing them twice a month at various churches, uh, on a f- usually on a Friday evening. Okay. And uh, we do anywhere from four to... Uh, six hours of worship once in a while we do 24 hours of worship um, and we bring in teams worship teams from different churches to to fill out the the worship sets mm-hmm. um, and uh, we try to move it around to different churches so we engage as many congregations denominations as, as possible and build unity that's one of the mandates of the burn is to build unity uh, amongst the church and body of Christ and um, so yeah we're we've been doing that for a number of years now um, for the last two years my wife and I've been Attempting to do it full time, and okay. uh, God has been faithful in in uh, in providing, and and so it's been exciting. Cool. Well, welcome here. Thank you, Randall. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your family. All right. So, uh, married to my wife Becky, and uh, we've been married uh, just over ten years now, which is super exciting. Uh, have two little girls, uh, Olivia, she's five, and Gwen is two, and uh, they keep us busy. And so, uh, yeah, we've uh, been here in Cochrane now for a year on staff at Cochrane Alliance as the worship pastor. And uh, we moved halfway through our time, uh, or this in this last year, we moved in August to, to Cochrane, and we were living in Calgary. And uh, good to be in, uh, I guess, the town or almost city of Cochrane. Randall's um, always disappointed that we call Cochrane a town <laughs> and not a city. He's like, what's the problem? It, yeah. The names sound way cooler if it's a city. It's a city. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Randall, it's Think of the town. things we could do if we were a city. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is Cochrane still considered a town or is it a city? It's, it's a town. It's yeah. a town, but okay. it's for, I think, once you become a city, then um, it, we're certainly big enough. There are much sure. smaller cities in Alberta. Yeah. but. Uh, as far as I know, the this is really has a lot to do with worship. Uh, <laughs> once you declare yourself or become uh, the, uh, the entity of a city in Alberta, 
It has financial implications for how um, who pays for the roads right. and certain infrastructure. Yep. And I I think again this is my uh, I'm not as well informed as I should be, but the town is reluctant to become a city because it would mean of all course. of a sudden they become responsible yeah. for some pretty major infrastructure that runs through our limits. So they're choosing to remain a town. Got to keep those taxes low. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yes, I do wish it was a city. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no um, yeah, I guess that's kind of who I am, well, my family. L- let me press you a little bit Kay. more then sure. on, on your chosen profession right now. Although, uh, knowing you a little bit, defining yourself solely as a worship pastor would fall short, I think, of what God has called you to be. But let's play with it a little bit. Um, why have you chosen to take a role... Uh, within this church of of being the the caretaker and the steward of worship what's your sense of your call when it comes to worship um yeah why do you do this yeah i mean uh growing up uh i think i first maybe received the call if you will at uh the age of like 15 uh, I just really felt a pressing on my heart to be involved in worship ministry. And uh, music has, pr- I was probably singing coming out of the womb, if you ask my parents. Mm. Um, but uh, music in general has always been a part of who I am. And um, and so m- maybe naturally, I don't know if naturally is the right word, but uh, growing up in church, I always wanted to be on the stage and uh, singing or stuff like that. And so, and I didn't really get much of an opportunity until I was 15, 16 uh, in high school. And uh, so really felt a call in that area. I, re- I remember growing up, my one of my music teachers when I was in high school came to me one day and she was like, hey, Randall, um, you know, you, you sing in all of our choirs. Uh I think you could, I think you could have a career in this area. Mm. Um, I'll hook you up, uh, uh, with the best, uh, voice teachers and I'll get you into a good university if you want to go in this direction. Mm. And I didn't even have to think twice about it. And I just said, thanks. Uh, I want to be a worship pastor. Mm. And, uh, I still remember where I was in our, in my high school, uh, talking in the hall with her and uh yeah that might have been one of the defining moments where i was like no this is uh the direction that i want to go um in terms of why why am i here at cochran alliance serving um when you when you approached me um about this position um one of the things you said was hey we want to we want to go in a direction of diving deeper into the things of of God and and dive deeper into worship and experiencing him through music and um immediately like my heart started beating a little faster and whether whether I was going to come or not uh I I remember telling you I'm stoked that you guys are hungry for more here mm. and um and I was just excited for that because when you have a hungry church, there's no telling what God can do in and through you. And so that was for me, um, an incredible, um, well, that was a drawing point for me to be like, wow, I could, I could be a part of a church who wants more of God. Mm. Um, and I could be helping them, uh, engage God through worship or worship music. So, yeah. 
so uh, Joe, uh, looking at the the landscape of um, of Calgary and being part of an ecumenical movement where you're seeking to fuel the fire of whatever God is doing through worshiping him. Maybe tell us if you could crystallize one or two things that you're seeing in Calgary emerge out of that. What would you say? Um, definitely seeing a move, a greater move towards unity. Um, hmm. And, um, you know, worship is one of those things. Worship and prayer, I would say, are the two things in the body of Christ that no matter what denomination, what congregation you're part of, those are two things that you definitely do. Hmm. Um you know, you're, you're engaging in some sort of worship, congregational worship, corporate worship. Um, and usually most churches have some, some form of prayer, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a prayer meeting or, or, you know, they're encouraging their congregants to pray or whatever. So, um, you know, we can rally around those two things, no matter who we are, okay. uh, no matter what church or denomination. And, and that's one of the things that we do as a burn is we say, hey, come, come and join us uh, and worship with us. Um, you know, your 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 the way you worship may look different from one church to the other, uh, or even the way you pray may look a little bit different. But that's okay. Um, we're not all meant to be the exact same, and so we can unite around those two things. And so, certainly, unity I think is one of the things that we're seeing a greater uh, emphasis on. Always has been an emphasis. I mean, you talk to pretty much all pastors, and they all talk about wanting more unity in their yep. community, and um, but the burn um, certainly g- provides that vehicle to, to move into unity, amongst other things, of course. Um, so that's one of the things that we're, we're definitely observing and seeing is um, a greater move towards unity. And then also um, also with that, and I think goes hand in hand, is uh, there's definitely um, a hunger and a, a more of a, a thrust towards evangelism. Hmm. And... Um, um, you know, rather than churches focusing on transfer growth, um, there is definitely a cry for wanting to see the lost uh, saved in their communities. And how do we do that? And uh, so I think, again, it goes hand in hand, and we'll probably get into it a little bit more uh, as we talk. But those are the two things that that we've observed is unity and evangelism. Okay. Maybe I should back up the truck here a little bit of, uh, as we're talking about worship and get our bearings on what we mean, because I know for a lot of people, when we say worship, that means, at least in the church, that means, well, that's when you sing. That's the worship time. Right. Is, is Joe, in your opinion, is that understanding helpful? And if it is, okay. And if, if not, how would you improve on our understanding of what worship truly is? Um, yeah, when it comes to corporate worship, um, I think that's, you're, you're absolutely right. That's the picture that comes to mind. Is is people singing, um, and and uh, having a, a worship band and, and music, and that's our idea of what corporate worship mm-hmm. is. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, looking at it from a biblical point of view, um, it goes much much deeper. And uh, so, for instance, in in the Old Testament, there's actually seven Hebrew words for the word praise, and uh, and when you, you drill down into the meaning of those words, it encompasses worship because there's, there's a, a word for lifting your hands. There's a word for singing. There's a word for shouting. There's a word for that means to bow down. 
mm. um, and to prostrate yourself before the Lord. Uh, there's a word for waving a flag. There's there's all these different words that encompass that. They're the same word they translate into praise, mm. but they mean different things. Mm. And so worship, when you look at it biblically, it encompasses a whole lot more than just singing uh, that we engage in normally in a, on a Sunday morning mm. or in a service. And um, so uh, y- definitely there's... Um, there's more to it uh, than than just singing a song and, and singing a song together, um, and uh, it, it's it is an outward expression, but it en- encompasses all of us, not just our voice. It encompasses our hands, our 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 our, our feet, and our legs when we bow down. It, it encompasses really, and it's a reflection of the posture of our heart. That's what it is. Mm. Um, and as we posture our heart towards God in worship, it, c- it expresses itself in different forms. Hmm. Okay, Randall, anything that you would add uh, or take away from what uh, how Joe is defining things? Uh, I definitely wouldn't take anything away. Um, I think worship in a in a like Genesis to Revelation view, like all of Scripture. Um, I think you see. I always like to go back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, where it talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mm-hmm. with all your mind, all your strength. And, and Jesus actually echoes these very words um, in uh, in the New Testament as well. And then, you know, the, the verse that almost everyone in the church knows is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, offering absolutely everything, our, our lives to God, uh, whether that be, you know, I, I remember when I was uh, just young uh, in my, you know, f- late teens, reading an article um, in a Christian magazine about taking the trash out is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. And um, because like Joe said, it's an, it's a, it's a posture of your heart. Um, and so, you know, am I loving the Lord, my God, with everything that I am? Um, I think, though, worship in a corporate setting or in a congregational setting, there's definitely real reasons why we sing. Like, we don't just come together because Randall likes to sing or Joe likes to sing, so we're going to stand on the stage and lead the congregation in some songs. But there's actually... um, there's reasons why we do this and and some of the reasons are uh you know it teaches us teaches us about who god is um Mm. gordon fee uh he wrote once he said show me the songs of your church and i'll show you their theology Mm -hmm. and so uh, uh, you know a lot of even a lot of lead pastors who are preaching every sunday they'll be like uh, the songs that we sing are just as important, if not more important, than the messages that they preach because songs are, uh, you can remember songs. And the lyrics that go along to tunes, you will, will, you will remember them, right? Um, worship is also just an overflow of seeing, or, or yeah, seeing God. Matt Redman, he wrote a song uh, a bunch of years ago called Seeing, seeing You. And uh, in it, it says... Um, Worship starts with seeing you. Our hearts respond to your revelation. And so, you know, worship is us as a congregation, as a church, responding to how God has revealed to us. And so, in turn, we sing. And uh, Paul encourages and exhorts the church uh, 
multiple churches in the New Testament to address one another in in psalms, mm-hmm. hymns, and spiritual songs, yeah. and um, and part of this too is because it builds the church up. So, and I've just recently had an incredible uh, revelation about this: is when we are standing together as one church on a Sunday morning, and then actually as a church worldwide, we're all gathering together at the same time, uh, singing our praises to God and. And when we, you know, look to the people on our left and our right, and they're all singing um, the same song, we're all declaring the greatness of our God. Mm-hmm. It actually encourages us, you know. It's powerful. We have individuals in our church who have lost loved ones or are going through incredible, difficult times in their lives, but yet mm-hmm. they come up, they they show up on a Sunday morning, and, and they worship God. Um, I think that's an incredible... Uh, testimony, well, first of all, to who God is, but then uh, it encourages one another uh, that, yes, this is who our God is. He is who we are declaring him to be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah. So I'll throw this out. I don't care which one of you guys want to answer it. But so sometimes I hear people say, okay, all of life is worship, like taking out the garbage, uh, serving my family, doing work can be an act of worship, which yeah. I agree. Yeah. So what's going on when we come together for, as you've been saying, corporate worship that can't or doesn't happen when I'm living all my life as worship? Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's power in numbers. Okay. Um, and I think the, the, the very fact that we're gathering together uh, with one heart, one purpose, joining our faith together um, creates a momentum that pulls on heaven in a greater measure. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you could do that individually, but it's so much more powerful than uh, when we do it together. Okay. And, and that's echoed in, in scripture. Um, you know, uh, 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 where is it? A three-chord strand is not easily broken. Mm. Uh, where two and th- or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst. Mm. Right? So unity uh, and, and gathering together is certainly a huge part of um, the body of Christ, mm. and there's power in that. Okay. So we, we can't... Uh, we can't talk about uh, worship very long before people of different cultures, uh, different generations, uh, different personalities will get into a discussion about what's the best way to get this done. (laughs) So we get into talking about style. uh, We get into talking about songs. And um, I know that in some ways, any person who leads worship, it becomes a a topic sometimes that they hate to discuss, but we can't avoid this one, boys. So we're <laughs> going to go there. Um, Rap music. I'd like to be actually at a church that uses rap music for worship. I oh. would love to see how that goes down. Guarantee yeah. it exists. Yeah, yeah. It's, got it. it's got it. So talk to me. Like, uh, There's been great music. The church has been, I think, the caretaker and steward of, at least in... Western culture, which we're a part of, of, of great music over the centuries. Um, but within even uh, our church, a mid-sized church, we would have people who enjoy and favor classic hymns from the 18th century. Then say, oh, others would say, you know, it's Fanny J. Crosby from the late 19th century or the early 20th. Or, you know, we should be singing... Heaven Came Down by John Peterson, <laughs> who is kind of in the mid-20th century. 
Uh, we get into the Gaithers and people who love that stuff. Randall, I know that secretly <laughs> you know all the Gaither songs, and I'm not even joking. And then we're into uh, Hillsong and Darlene from the 90s, and then, of course, there's just yeah. this explosion, I don't know, since when I was in, in, in Bible college in the early, mid-90s, it seemed that's when there was something exponential that started to happen with the writing of, of new music, and it just, you know, every... Mm -hmm week there's something new so how do we pick what we're going to sing yeah great question <laughs> uh how do you pick songs for a congregation uh, you have to know your congregation first of all i yeah. don't think you can simply uh based on who you are as a worship leader say i like this song and so therefore i'm going to sing this song and teach to the congregation and cross your fingers that they like it too um, I think you have to be sensitive to who your congregation is and, and what they engage in. Um, and, and really, that's the whole point as a worship leader is engaging the congregation in, in worship in, in the most meaningful way possible. Um, and so that's number one, knowing your, <laughs> your congregation. Mm -hmm. um, I think number two, at the same time, you have to balance that with what Scripture actually says. And that is over and over again sing a new song okay and and so as as human beings we always gravitate towards comfort and so we want comfort in in everything including our worship and so we love to sing songs that we're familiar with uh we love to sing songs that we know and uh and and that we can um somehow um connect with because of past experience or that's what we grew up with or whatever um but it's comfortable to us and so we like singing those songs uh whether it's a hymn or whether it's gathers or whoever doesn't matter um but the challenge is th that we are to sing a new song and so we have to find that balance so tease that out for me a little bit what's what's so special about singing new songs um i think we're 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 created to be creative and um when you look at the at the church uh, for instance, during the Renaissance period, the church was the leading entity when it comes to creative in the culture, in paintings and music and whatever else. And, uh, and that has always been the case. And you go back further than the Renaissance and you look at, at, at Jewish culture and, and other cultures that engaged with worship of God. And, and, and those Churches, those people, those groups are always the leading entity when it comes to being creative. And um, uh, I think the modern day church has somewhat gotten away from that in terms of we're, we're ch kind of chasing culture instead of leading culture. Mm. And um, uh, I think, it, you know, part of, of singing the new song is, is grabbing hold of the creative in us and expressing it uh, through um, songwriting and, and, and leading things that are new um but yeah that's who we're created to be okay so i uh, i'm not sure what your opinion on this would be but it it would seem that uh the it, it, in terms of north american church worship music the lion's share seem to be coming from a few houses of songwriters whether you know I, i'm going to pick on the usual suspects whether that's hill song or for some groups it's the gaithers or it's bethel or so 
are they the only stewards? Are those groups the only stewards of what the new songs for the church is? Or are are you suggesting that we should be seeing stuff written in house? Uh, who 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 dictates where the new song? Because yeah. I could write some stuff maybe this <laughs> afternoon, but I don't know. I don't know if the Lord would be honored and if people would participate. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'm sure the Lord will be honored if you wrote him a song this afternoon. Yes. But that doesn't mean it has to be sung on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good answer. Um, so I think it's all of the above um, in terms of where this new music is coming from. Um, I, I I know a lot of churches uh, in Calgary and elsewhere uh, that they're writing music in house for their congregation, mm. um, and and that's a great thing. Um, you know, if they can write music that is specifically reflecting what is happening in, in their, their house context, yeah. right now yeah. um i think that that just adds more power to what they're going through and what they're yeah. learning and how what they're experiencing um does it go beyond the four walls of their their church their congregation um maybe not and, and maybe sometimes it does um so there's different levels of i guess of of anointing i guess you could say or or um who's leading the pack um in terms of hillsong or bethel or you know the various different worship um, centers you can call them. Sure. Um, but I, I think there's room for for everything really, and there's a wide spectrum of of expression to be made uh, locally and you know nationally, internationally. Okay. So yeah. higher, I know you've written an, uh, some songs. There's a couple of them out there in the interweb uh, <laughs> but i we've never sang one of your songs here so what's yeah. your sense of what's up with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's your sense of um you know whose song should we be singing yeah um i think uh I, well typically how i go, i go about leading uh, or, or choosing the songs that we lead um are you know what is God speaking to our congregation right now? What is this? What is, uh, you know, you and I plan our services together and our, um, even the sermons for the year, what was it going to look like? And so a lot of it's based around, um, what is God doing? What is God speaking? What do we feel like he's asking us to preach on for the next year? Um, these types of things, um, as well, like, um, are the are the songs theologically sound? Mm. I know that might come across crusty to some people, mm. um, but are we saying and th- are we saying and proclaiming things about God that are actually true? Mm. Yeah. Or are they um, are they me focused? Which some songs are more us focused or me focused, and they're actually sometimes appropriate to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would argue probably the majority of the time we want to be proclaiming who God is. Um, yeah. uh, probably because by the very definition of worship, that would be, uh, you know, proclaiming the greatness of God. Um, does, th- I think Joe mentioned this a little bit as well, does the song connect with our church? Um, I have had incredible, powerful times of worship by myself with the new latest song that mm-hmm. has come out 
and I'm like, I'm totally introducing this song on Sunday because it's going to rock the house. <laughs> and uh, falls flat. And it just, <laughs> it just falls completely flat. Right. And, um, and uh, there, there may be other reasons as well, but at the same time, we need to be sensitive to, you know, what are the songs that are out there right now? Uh, what songs will connect with our congregation? You know, is it primarily hymns or is it primarily what's written in the last five years? Or should we go back to everything that was written in the nineties? You yeah. know, purify my heart, yeah. you know, refiner's fire, <laughs> um, which well, is well, one of my real tunes. The, the older we get, the harder it is for us to learn new songs. Yeah. That's yeah. that's just a reality. Well, yeah. he's still young. So. He's still young. In terms of congregation, right? Yeah. The older your congregation gets, the, the harder it is for them to, to learn new songs. And so as a, as a worship leader, as a worship pastor, you have to be sensitive to that. Mm. And, and so you tailor, tailor your set and your worship accordingly. Mm. So let me, let me uh, s- talk about one thing I noticed in my family. So I would have grown up... Uh, primarily where I was picking up songs was in the 80s mm-hmm. and we were st- although there was worship courses there we were still our primary deal was the hymn book and so I although n- not everyone in the church would believe that this is true I probably have uh, the repertoire of, of the average evangelical person who is 30 years older than me I know all those songs because I grew up singing them sure yep. my daughters are not growing up singing them so um uh, and uh, I like new songs too. Uh, I probably tend that way in my in in what my preference or my taste is. Like on my phone are newer songs. I don't have a lot of like act like second chapter of Acts worship. Uh, <laughs> that dates me. That would be, uh, yeah, I have no idea that? what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> uh, but um, is what value is there? Because in uh, again, this is very. This is very Western culture because, like, the church in China is going to have different songs that are part of their heritage. But yeah. there is a certain heritage, a rich uh, a heritage of music that has come down in in our culture. Uh, that as we gravitate towards singing new songs, that I notice that my girls aren't, and I, I'm not necessarily thinking that they're going to not enter the gates of heaven because they can't sing. John W. Peterson songs, <laughs> but is there some value into that shared hymnology? Because it does seem to me, and maybe I'll get to this question later, that we're to some degree songs are disposable now in a way that they weren't before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would in in singing hymns um, and older tunes. I think it part of it goes back to yeah. I I think it's a good thing, and and the reason why I think it's a good thing is because. It, I mean, and some younger folk might not uh, realize that they are older hymns or older they're songs. S- they're so old, they're, they're new again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're so old, they're new again. But it it's a testimony, again, to who God is, right? Like, guys 500 years ago have been singing about the goodness of God mm-hmm. and his sacrifice for us to give us life, um, his faithfulness. So, you know, 500 years and thousands of years even prior to that they uh, followers of God have been proclaiming his faithfulness his love 
And I think it's another testimony and can be an encouragement to us um, to realize that. So when was the last time we sang a song from 500 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> Do I, I even no know idea. one song? No uh, Mighty Fortress is Our God oh, by Luther, yes, maybe? So, yeah, yeah, that is 500 years go. almost exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to think when you led us. In I've, never led it. I've never <laughs> led it. I've never led it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, one last question. And again, I don't want to linger on style for too long because that can be not always a helpful discussion, but one more maybe. Uh, Joe, what's your sense? And again, the you, I'm pretty sure some of the music that you gravitate towards is coming from some of what's very influential and popular right now coming out of the Bethel movement. But what's your sense of what God is doing in music that is being written for English-speaking North American churches today. Do you like everything? Is there some stuff that you go, uh, makes me nervous, I don't know if we're on track there. Um, yeah, going back to what Randall said, um, being biblically sound, theologically sound, mm. when writing music is very, very important. Um, and it, it can easily go off track if the focus is not God. Um, and becomes inward focused or, or focused on something else, and uh, so so not everything that's being written is necessarily good, um, and so uh, again that's where we have to have discernment and um, and know God's word and does this line up with what the word of God is saying, and uh, personally I, I gravitate towards songs that sing to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and and declare his greatness, his faithfulness, like Randall yeah. was saying. Um, and rather than singing more songs about, you know, me and um, make me feel good type thing. Um, not to say that those songs are wrong or aren't right. good. And there's a place for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, personally, I gravitate towards, towards songs that really declare who God is and, uh, and the truth of his word. Um <coughs> You know, and then there's style of music, the actual style of the music. There, there is a, a specific, I, w- I would say, um, sound to modern day worship music mm-hmm. in North America, um, and uh, songs that are are easier to sing for congregations and whatnot. Um, and, and then you have on the fringes what some are calling worship music, but it's not really singable. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And it's it's hard to to really pick up on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as a worship leader, I have to be careful of that because when I'm up on stage, then it becomes a performance mm-hmm. and people are just kind of looking at you sing the song and not engaging in worship. Yep. And so that's another aspect of it as well. Um, so, but I think, you know, the, the, the worship industry and the worship songs coming out nowadays, uh, the whole industry is, I think is self-regulating in terms of the songs that are really good, are singable, are, are sound theologically, they rise to the top. Mm. And, um, and we see this all the time when we do the burn. Even though we're, we're at different churches, different congregations, different denominations, there are certain songs that everybody's singing. Because yeah, it exactly. just works. It just works. Yeah. And so, so that's why I say it's kind of self-regulating. Okay, yeah. so let's get specific. Right. Uh, and I didn't, pr- I didn't warn you on this one at all. Um, but uh, if you would pick a song that's newer, that that it's speaking to your heart right now, and I, I must say, 
Uh, I don't know if your context, you're coming across Rob Reimer, someone who's kind of writing some stuff that he comes from the Lions background. And he wrote something or said something that he just said, look, I have a, a playlist of worship music that works for me, that ignites me. Um, uh, and then at, after a while, it just it doesn't work anymore. And I just go, okay, it's time for new stuff. And he, right. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's okay. I never... I thought there was almost something sacrilegious to that. Like, <laughs> oh, I need to like keep listening to this stuff, but I've noticed in my own um, listening in the vehicle or wherever that a song I am a I am a repeat one song, so I can. My wife drives here crazy, but I can listen to a song twenty times in a row, right. and this works for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I'm curious, what, a newer song that's in your loop that's really working for your personal engagement of God and is there a song that you would describe as going back in the day that still works for you that is uh, part of your worship repertoire um right now one of the most uh powerful songs I guess I'll say it like that for me is uh and we've I've, I've introduced it just before Christmas here at church um is a song by Paul Balash and it's called Behold Him mm. and uh Kim Walker sings with uh, Paul on the on the recording and it's just I mean it is Jesus centric gospel centric mm-hmm. and it just uh, exudes the person of who Jesus is mm-hmm. and uh, like every time I hear it I'm just like can't move I'm just like oh my goodness this is so good like mm-hmm. I, it just it uh, it brings the worship out of me and and for me that it, yeah that song is really good right now um from my childhood or growing up years i'd probably go with um as the deer or would you still do that though <laughs> would you still lead that uh potentially in the right setting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like in a house church yeah, setting yeah, or something sure. like that or um refiners fire brian dirksen right yeah, yeah. um brian dirksen good canadian mm-hmm. he wrote Man, yeah. in the in the nineties and early two thousands, yeah. it was Brian Dirksen. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he was leading the way. He was, yeah. He, he, was, he in, was breaking ground. Yeah, yeah. Like Hillsong was picking up his tunes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh it was just uh sort so yeah, Brian Dirksen, I remember his uh You Shine album and uh Today, his Today album, I think that's what it was called. Um anyways, those were some some albums that I listen to a ton, but uh, definitely as the deer and refiners fire. Mm. Like I, <laughs> I, if you ask my wife, uh, she'll be like, "Oh yeah, Randall sings those on his guitar all the mm. time at home." Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I just, yeah, yeah. I go back to them and I just, I just sit in them and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for me, for me, um, uh, a newer song that I I really like nowadays is uh, called "Nothing Else" by Cody Carnes, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. just focusing on. Uh, nothing else but Jesus. That's mm. who who we want, and um, and then an older song. I think I go back to again and again for whether it's in a medley or or just spontaneously or whatever. It's I exalt thee. Mm. Everybody knows that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows it, mm-hmm. and it's like you start singing it, and, and like everybody's like <laughs> immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's raising their hands. Yeah. At the so, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, let's turn a corner then on style, guys. Um, Joe, I'll go to a little bit about something specific to Burn 24-7. Um, first of all, like a real like basic question. 
is there actually 24-7 prayer and worship going on in Calgary all the time? Or, and if not, is it happening somewhere? Like, talk, talk to us about the name itself. Um, yeah, in Calgary, not yet. Okay. Um, elsewhere in the world, absolutely. Um, so a couple places that I know of personally. Uh, number one is the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Okay. And they've been doing nonstop, 24-7 worship um, since, 2000, since 2000. Wow. So for 20 years, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have started just before 2000, um, but for, for 20 years plus, they've been doing uh, a prayer room, and the, the music has never stopped. So there's always someone live there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so they've been kind of like the, the foundation or the, the pilot the template of, of, of yeah. keeping with the, fir- the fire imagery. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> uh, and and uh, now they're, they're a house of prayer, so they're, they're, right. they're worship. Uh, with a lot of emphasis on prayer, uh, the burn is is worship with prayer integrated into it. Um, and uh, one other place that's doing twenty four seven worship uh, since t- September of of two thousand fifteen, uh, right across the street from the White House in the U S. Uh, is the Washington Mall, which is a national park. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a tent pitched there since September two thousand fifteen, really? and they've been doing nonstop worship since since then. Wow. And uh, uh, just rotating uh, in teams that come in from all over the country, hmm. taking two-hour sets. And so a team would fly in from, let's say, the West Coast and, and spend a week in Washington. And throughout that week, they would do multiple sets and at, at David's Tent. That's what they call it. Hmm. And um, and so that's been going for, for nonstop for, for okay. a few years now, five years now. So so I, I read that the, uh, the, the, the burn movement argues that uh, authentic worship fuels or mixes with prayer, which leads to people getting engaged in God's mission to reach right. people, to reach those who don't know Jesus yet. Um, prove it, or, or, or are yeah. you seeing it happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, to back up even further, why why do we do this as a burn or as international house prayer or whatever prayer movement? Like, mm-hmm. what would what? what drives us to do this and what biblical foundation are we looking at that says hey go and do this and so we look at um amos 9 11 and specifically it says in the last days uh god says i will raise up david's tabernacle or david's tent um and uh and in it was echoed in luke uh i believe 15 16 not luke acts 15 16 um where that same scripture is quoted by by James, Apostle James, and he says, and he adds on, so that all nations, all nations will come to know me. Mm. So God is saying, in the last days, I will raise up David's tabernacle so that all nations will come to know me. And so when we look back, what is David's tabernacle? It's not the tabernacle, the built, the actual tabernacle, Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. It's the tent that David actually pitched and brought the ark to and established 24-7 worship for at least 30 years that we know of. And it continued on after his, his reign. Mm. And, uh, and what we know of that tent is, number one, there was 24-7 worship and prayer. He hired 288 lead musicians and then 4,000 additional musicians and then 4,000 gatekeepers just for that tent. So it's a huge op- operation. <laughs> and, um, and established 24-7 worship and prayer and uh, and then the the other th- aspect of, of that is that Gentiles were allowed to come into this tent, 
So it wasn't like the, the temple that was built by Solomon where only Jews can come in. It was a, a place that anyone could access the presence of God, whether you're Jew or Gentile. And here, here's the ark in the, in the middle of this tent, and they would come and they would worship the Lord. And that's where most of the Psalms, or the bulk of the Psalms, were written out of, uh, was for those musicians. Uh, when you look at some of the Psalms, and it says, written for Asaph, the chief musician. He mm-hmm. was the chief musician in the Tabernacle of David, uh, leading the 288. And so it's out of that model that we say, okay, let's engage with what God wants to do on the earth. And that is reestablishing the Tabernacle of David, i.e. worship and prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've seen, it's not only the burn movement, obviously. There's been an explosion of worship and prayer all over the earth. Yeah. But specifically what we've been seeing is that Wherever we go to, to establish continuous worship and prayer, two things that happen, and I alluded to this earlier. Uh, number, w- number one, the body of Christ comes together. And number two, there, there's a, a, an outward expression of evangelism, of leading the lost to Christ. Mm. And so uh, we've seen that locally happen here in Calgary. Mm. Uh, one of the events that we do yearly for the last seven, uh, this will be our eighth year, we do uh, uh, six hours of worship at Olympic Plaza. Okay. Downtown Calgary, yeah. and um, and during that event, we are very intentional about bringing in teams to do evangelism in the downtown core while we do worship at the Olympic Plaza, and and these are our teams that are always downtown evangelizing and whatnot. One of the things that th- they always say without question is that they come back and they say, "Man, it was so easy to share the gospel. Uh, people were so receptive, mm. and and uh, we were able to pray for people and see them." receive healing and, and give words of prophetic words. And, and we've even baptized people right there and then at, at the plaza. In the water there. In the water there. Yeah. And it's like, in, it's like the book of Acts all over again, right? <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we're, we're seeing that as we worship uh, over the city and declare God's greatness over the city, his presence literally changes the spiritual atmosphere. Mm-hmm so that people can go out and engage with non-believers and share the gospel with them. And, and like I said, they're more receptive. Um, that's, that's, I guess, the, mo- the closest experience that I have to seeing that. Okay. Okay. Um, the, other, the other aspect of, of, of that is on a global um, uh, uh, scenario, the burn is engaged in missions. And so we have missions teams a long-term mission team in northern Iraq. We have a long-term team in India. Uh, we've had teams in South America and so on. And so um, we see that as as um, people engage with the burn, uh, their hearts literally start to burn mm. for reaching the lost. And they raise their hand and say, hey, I will go to north, uh, northern Iraq mm. um, or I will go to, to India uh, or other places and, and reach the lost. And so that's one of the things that we... we like to emphasize and we like to say we like to go into the hardest and darkest places of the earth mm. and and uh and preach the gospel um but it's always even when we go to those places it's always uh let's let's go and let's worship and pray prepare the ground prepare the atmosphere okay and then go out and share the gospel and see fruit okay well thanks it's good to get a little bit of Behind the scenes to some of the DNA of what the what mm. what it's about. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, that's good. Uh, Randall, let me let me change direction again with you a little bit. Uh, I know that leading worship isn't your only love, and that that preaching 
rivals uh, kind of your affection for what you like to do. Um, so what what's your sense of how uh, if we come to a worship service and the preaching of God's word this the, is often a part of that? What's your sense of how preaching and music complement one another? What how should it work? Yeah. Um, well, here we here we do more more wor- congregational worship through music. Um, we do after the sermon, and so it's more of a response to what has been preached. And uh, I personally like that because uh, worship is naturally an an overflow of. Uh, God revealing himself and mm-hmm. preaching obviously isn't the only way God reveals himself, but mm-hmm. it is a, a, a big part of how we uh, know and understand who God is. And so um, I think there's a, a connection there in that the preaching of the word um, complements worship in that uh, we respond when we hear who God is. Um, and then uh yeah, I think how how does it go the other way? Uh, how does worship complement preaching? Or maybe maybe it, that is already how it uh, complements it. But I think it just it, when we express um, express our love and our our affections for God, um, we we then are open to receive the Word of God as well. Um, and so I think they, they reinforce each other naturally because they're both about glorifying God, okay. right? Like mm-hmm. preaching. So I know we've had this conversation before. Preaching, um, we want to preach Jesus or preach Christ from all points of Scripture, right? So even in Leviticus, when we're looking at the law, uh, where is Christ mm-hmm. in that Scripture? Because we want to point Everything wants the we want to point everything to back to Jesus, and so um, yeah, I think they they reinforce each other, and uh, yeah. So just to be clear, uh, worship isn't there like music isn't there just to kind of make sure everyone's in their seats by the time the preaching starts. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I always just thought as a preacher that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Calling people in from the coffee station. <laughs> Actually, it leads me uh, to my next question. I, we did a, a worship survey here a few years ago, and one of the big uh, one of the big learnings for that is that preparation for worship is a, an obstacle to some degree when people come for corporate gatherings. So here, of course, our primary deal is on Sunday mornings, but people reported that that they're not there's very little preparatory work. It's just kind of, I don't know, I'm getting there and then it'll happen for me. And you're, uh, you're talking about the congregation, the congregation okay. itself. So not, yeah. not those leading worship, although they're a part of that, yeah. but those that are coming to participate in the service, how, how does, what would you say as people who do this professionally and it's your calling as a person coming to a worship service, is there anything I can do to get my self ready to engage so that I don't miss out or, um, and, and speak to me as a person who, well, I guess I get to come early and I don't have to navigate all my kids getting here, but (laughs) you know, there's all kinds of things going on, just getting to the place where we're going to do this. How does a person 
if, if they were to take some simple steps to optimize that moment they have to engage with the living God, what, what would you say practically? Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I think there's, there's definitely different um, approaches to this. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly an argument for just showing up. Um, just say yes and show up, and God will meet you there where you're at. Um, and and that's certainly one way you can okay. look at it. Um, it. Definitely, there there is a more steps you can take, t- like you said, to prepare yourself um, for what God wants to do. And um, yeah, there's so many distractions in our world. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I think a lot of times being in ministry, um, whether we're full time pastors or or, or itinerant ministry or whatever, we tend to forget what life is like sometimes for most congregants. And um, I noticed this a number of years ago when I was um, on staff part-time as a worship pastor, and um, but still working a full-time job. And I noticed there is a definite disconnect um, between, at the time, uh, our pastor and what he expected from people. Um, but as a person who was working a full-time job, what I can, I can give. Right. And, um, so, you know, from, from that perspective, um, what can we do as congregants in a church to prepare ourselves? I think it's not just a, um, okay, in, in 15 minutes or in an hour or however long we're going to be in church, let me, let me, let me focus here and get my mind in the right place, my heart in the right place. I think it's a everyday um, posture of the heart mm. and and really taking up our cross daily mm-hmm. and uh, and I think when we do that um, and and focus on our daily walk with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to daily speak to us um, then it's not so much of a battle coming into a Sunday morning service okay so yeah. if I'm hearing you right you're saying, Okay, sure. Maybe there could be like a time you go into a dark room <laughs> and get ready to come yeah, to church. Yeah, M- could be helpful. Yeah, but um, to the degree that uh, walking day in and day out with God is a uh, is a reality for your life, right. uh, that's going to make the corporate worship experience more meaningful. And to the degree that, uh, not seeking to be judgmental here, but the degree to which you live as a practical atheist, not that. You don't believe in God, but there he really doesn't factor into the other six days right. of the week. That may factor into why worship seems kind of bland and dry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we if we really approach worship, and this goes back again to what we what Randall was saying that the mundane things of life can be an act of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, if we approach everything in our life as an act of worship, um, then God becomes so much more real to us the rest of the week mm-hmm. and we're not just Sunday Christians. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for myself personally, like when I'm not leading on a Sunday morning um, and I'm just sitting in the, sitting in the chairs. Um, you it, sit when you worship? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. I lie prostrate. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, sorry. I'm standing in the congregation. Um, I would be lying if it didn't at some uh, at some point take an act of my self discipline or self will to mm-hmm. say all right lord I'm engaging right now mm-hmm, like right. 
um you know we've all been in we've all been in times where it's like oh wow the music's not that great the <laughs> the singer's not that great um but i am going to engage mm-hmm. with you god here i it doesn't matter what else is going on around um you god you are worthy of my worship you are worthy of my praise and i'm going to engage with you regardless and and for me just honestly in the last probably four or five years um that has actually transformed my life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in in relation to declaring the goodness of of god and entering into worship like i mean i I couldn't tell you how many times even in my house i'm just like life sucks right now this is hard this is difficult Mm -hmm. and then the 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 thought that goes through my head is worship god yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm like are you kidding me? The last thing I want to do is worship God. Yeah. But you and get you say, no, God, you are good no matter what. You are worthy of my praise no matter what. Yeah. And you, um, you, you get the self discipline, the self will through the power of the it's Spirit who's living now. in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and you just say, no, I'm going to worship. And I, I think you know, for more for for our congregants in our church, or um, I think we just have to, um encourage them in that in that way in that direction like i know we do on sunday mornings we do a call to worship mm-hmm. um and what we do is we just um we have a psalm that we that we um speak out slash pray out and uh, we just call people to engage with the living god yeah that's good. A- and so um you know there's there's uh, always distractions when we come together, you know, the phone or um, others around us. And if we let them be distractions, they will be distractions. Mm-hmm. But if we engage our, our self-discipline or our our will to say, uh, you know, I will worship no matter what, I think that's when... Um, it goes a long way. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and David... Uh, writes that in, in the Psalms. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Right. He's directing, he's telling his soul, right. bless the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no matter what the circumstance or situation that he's in or that we may find ourselves in, we can say to ourselves, bless the Lord. Right. Yeah. And uh, and, w- and we see the power of, of worship and the power of praise throughout Scripture, whether it's in the Old Testament, like, like the example of, of Jehosh- Jehoshaphat's army, um, I believe it's Chronicles 20, Second Chronicles 20 maybe, um, where he sends out the worshipers in front of the army. And they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, uh, five armies against one, and yet th- that's what God directed them to do. And as they worshiped, as they praised, uh, God turns that situation around for them, for their good, mm. and fights their battle for them, defeats their enemy for them, so that when they get to the enemy's camp, all they have to do is plunder the goods. Mm. We see it again in the New Testament with Paul and Silas in, in right. prison. Right. And even though they're in chains, they're beaten, they choose to sing and worship God. Mm-hmm. And what does God do? He, he shakes the, the prison, the prison doors fling open, the chains fell off, yeah. and people get saved. Right. And that's the power of worship. Mm. So if we come with that understanding, come into church with that mindset, that, yeah. that when we ga- engage in worship personally and corporately, that it, it is going to change things mm-hmm. in our circumstances, literally in our circumstances. Yeah. Uh, then we're prepared to actually engage more with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a quick story. I, um, 
I, I know a guy who was doing some some worship in he was in Germany and um, it was a I think it must have been a mixed event I can't remember all the details but uh, th- their team got up on stage and there were people um, booing them and throwing beer bottles at them and and uh, and just being vulgar and stuff like that and they started leading worship mm. and immediately the crowd like tamed down and became quiet wow. and and so um just you know god the presence of god moved in yeah. and silenced yeah uh the crowd you know and so i think just in terms of like what worship does yeah you know it uh it changes the atmosphere around us it totally does so. yeah um i i have a i made a post um just earlier today or yesterday and it's a translation, the tr- passion translation. It's po- Proverbs 21 and 22. It says this, um, A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high places and releases regional breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. And uh, to me, when I think about this in the context of worship, you know, a warrior who's filled with wisdom knows the power of praise and worship. Mm. And they know that when they worship the Lord, especially in a congregational corporate setting, the power that it has to bring down strongholds over a region, over a city, over mm-hmm. a town is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it pushes out the darkness right. and uh, and allows God to, it creates a vacuum for the Holy Spirit is what it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit comes and he's able to do his work not only in that congregation, in that space, but in the region. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so you talked about some cool stories of what God has done or you're seeing in 60 seconds or less uh, give like one of the most memorable personal worship experiences you've had where were you what what would happened well uh, well so back in 2012 um, a group of uh, individuals planted a church in Calgary and uh, part of our church was uh, house churches all over the city and um, every Thursday I'd drive up to the northeast and there was a house church there and, and uh, I helped lead it and I led worship there every week and uh, there were multiple times where um, we just worshipped together uh, 10 of us in a living room mm. and uh, I, I, I would venture to say that some of the most powerful times in worship were in that living room. Mm. And it wasn't, there wasn't one time where I'm like, Oh my word, like that was amazing. Um, but just 10 people in a living room worshiping God. And there were times where just everyone went silence and sat there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because we, you know, we were kind of dumbfounded is not the mm. right word, but just taken back by the in glory awe. of God. H- have you seen, uh, uh, Kanye's little short film yet? What's it called? No, I Jesus haven't. is King. No, have you seen it? Uh, the, the actual short film? No, yeah. I haven't. So there's a scene in it um, where it's obvious that they just finished singing a song. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know even what song it was, but all they do is just film the people, uh, the the choir as they're done, and it's obviously that something has happened, and they don't have. It just shows them kind of hugging. And standing there or wiping their eyes, um. it just yeah you have to see. Yeah. Th- there's no comment. It's a real art house thing. Like it's a, you don't go to that. Well, I don't. It's not. It's not out anymore. Uh, but 
uh, I just that scene sticks with me because it just something mm-hmm. obviously happened. It was yeah. obviously God's presence yeah. that was there, yeah. and you just see people kind of coming away from that, and they're not. It's weird re-entering the natural realm. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, uh, Joe, what would what would a memorable one be for you? Yeah, you know what? Um, one of the one of the ones that stands out for me is when the first time we did a burn. Uh, so before 2011, we had no idea what the burn was. Mm-hmm. We hadn't experienced it. And uh, so um, we were part of the team that did the first 24, actually 27-hour burn in Calgary. And um, and so it, just experiencing uh, that for the first time was um, a revelation to me. Mm. Seeing, number one, um, so many different worship teams come together to worship um, and then to do it for such a length of time, 27, I was up for the whole time. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> go to sleep. And, um, but I mean, the presence of God was so tangible mm. and, um, it, it, yeah, in, in the Psalms it says where there's unity, that's where he plos- pours out his blessing. Mm. And, uh, we really wow. saw that and felt that, uh, um, at that first burn and have felt it ever since, but that first one really stands out. Um, what's interesting as well, and sorry, I'm going beyond my 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the sweetest times in those 24 hour, uh, burn events that we have for me personally, um, is the early hour morning sets mm-hmm. between like one and 6 AM in the morning. And, you know, the crowd is, has dissipated. There's not a whole lot of people there and uh, and we're, we're up on stage there and we're worshiping and they're two hour sets or the long sets. Mm. And, um, but it's just so sweet because it's, it's like, there's nobody here. We're not performing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not doing this for any other reason, reason, except that we just love God mm. and we just want to be in his presence. And those are the sweetest times. Yeah. Okay. There was another time when, uh, early on, when I was uh, just had become the worship pastor here, it was might have been our first or second worship night that we had, and uh, we were singing about the holiness of God. And I don't remember what song we were singing, but there was just something that, like, there was a presence, mm-hmm. and it was it was definitely the presence of God. But mm-hmm. there was just this weightiness in the room, mm-hmm. and uh, I honestly I remember well I, I remember telling Jason the next day I was like. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm still like in a place of like, in a, I don't even know how to describe it. You're in like an, you feel you're in another world almost like another dimension or Mm -hmm. something. And, you know, one of the guitarists, he, uh, texted me the next day and he's like, dude, what happened last (laughs) night? Like that was wild. And, and, uh, it was just like, we were declaring the holiness of God and, and how he's, you know, so worthy of our praise. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I think I may have read uh, revelation chapter four where the That's elders, exactly you know, yeah. the elders are around the yeah. throne and all they can say is holy, holy, yeah, holy, yeah. holy, holy, yeah. holy. And they don't stop, you yeah. know, and they just keep on going. And, um, Often and so oftentimes, you know, the, the, when we're doing an extended burn or, and, uh, teams get to that point and it, it we call it throne room worship. Yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, because you're you're, yeah. you're in, in presence of God, and it's so tangible. Right, and and such a weighty presence that all yeah. you could say is holy. Yeah, mm. there's no, yeah, there's literally you don't know how to get out of it. Like right. when you're trying to end the evening or right. something, you're like, okay, how do we end yeah, yeah. this? Because it's just it would be super awkward to just be like, all right, see We're you guys done. later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the holiness of God is in the you know right. God's in the room, yeah, right? Yeah. So. Mm. 
one uh, one question to speak to uh, to introverts who are listening. Um, so, uh, how do does a person who is an introvert who and I think I, I sometimes feel my personality heading in that more of an introvert direction than, than I would have described myself in my 20s, probably. But that when they come into the presence of God or they're contemplating God's goodness or faithfulness or asking him for something, their natural inclination is that they want to go inwards and reflect and mm-hmm. get in their heads and just be there. And almost like sometimes I just want to sit down and like close my eyes and plug my ears and just kind of engage with God that way. But it seems so much of corporate worship is meant to draw them out of themselves and to engage and emote and, and do it. What would you say to, uh, to an introvert who's participating in corporate worship and they feel that inclination to go inwards? What should they do? Um, my, my first response is go ahead, go there. Okay. Um, engage with what God is is doing in you, and um, uh, that doesn't mean that for like the whole time you're you're <laughs> disengaged from what's happening congregationally, um, but certainly yeah, there's I think there's there's space for that, and should be space for that, uh, where if the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you, um, to to go ahead and and engage with them and and uh, um, yeah so. Um, yeah, the danger, I guess, is is to go there and stay there, <laughs> and, and and then disconnect from what's happening. Um, so there has to be a balance. But yeah, I wouldn't shy away from doing it for sure. Okay. Um, a couple things. Um, definitely, there's room for it. Definitely, there's uh, room to engage with God uh, in a quiet space. I also think like the <coughs> the people of God have been exuberant in their worship for thousands of years and have been expressing uh, their love for God through singing for thousands of years. And uh, I'll, like I did some I did some reading around this and and uh, recently and and a couple of verses just come to mind Colossians 3:16 and 17 it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and uh, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's it's a command. Paul's giving the church a command mm-hmm. in Colossae um, to, to worship God through singing, um, express their worship to God through singing. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, in Ephesians 5, 19, and 20, you know, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, um, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, and I think God has created us to, to be, you know, not everyone is going to be uh, Justin Bieber, who's, you know, mm-hmm. incredible voice and expresses himself through song or not everyone is created like of that all the examples that i know i don't know why <laughs> justin bieber <laughs> i don't know what Biebs came to mind but um but you know not everyone is going to express themselves in their primary way through singing however god has created us individuals and mm-hmm. the church and he's called us the church to sing 
um, and make melody to the Lord. And, and God himself is one in Zephaniah. I think it's Zephaniah. Um, it talks about how, um, you know, God sings over yeah. his people. Yeah, yeah. And so God is a God who sings. And in, in, um, in the Gospels, we see Jesus after, after the, um, the Last Supper. The very first thing they do is they sing a hymn. Yeah, and um, and so Jesus Himself was one who sang to God the Father, and uh, you know, and then there's various commands throughout Psalm the Psalms, uh, one forty nine, let the godly sing for joy, and Psalm one fifty, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. so the very last thing that's said in the Psalms is let everything that have bre- that has breath praise the Lord. Yeah. and so, um, so as an introvert. Um, is there times where, um, or someone who doesn't like, uh, not doesn't like music because I think it's almost their every, primary language. Yeah, exactly. I think we're, you know, we're commanded to, right. to, uh, sing to the Lord and, uh, not that you have to do everything out of duty because it's a command, but, um, yeah, I think we can encourage those to engage with God in that manner. Okay. I, th- I think that's even more important, especially on a Sunday morning setting, uh, because it's it's a, it's a limited time, and it is, you know, we come to you the ch- to church to the house of God for a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, there definitely has to be a choice to to lift up a voice and worship. Okay. Suck it up, introverts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're out of time, guys. Uh, so rapid fire round, and. Um, all you can, I'll let you come back to one of these questions later that you want to address and give a reason for your answer. But for now, uh, just give me a true or false, uh, whether you agree with this statement or disagree. So the first one, we should learn at least a couple new songs in church every month and permanently discard a couple stale songs every month. Agree or disagree? Uh, mostly agree. agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay, agree. fair yeah. enough. Agree or disagree, the best songs reflect on the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Agree. I, I would say that part. that's definitely a major theme. Um, I, I, would, I would be hard-pressed to say that it's the absolute best songs, but I would say some of the best songs are there, yeah. Okay. Agree or disagree, the louder the church is singing, the more authentic and spirit-filled the worship. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Like I said, one of the commands for praise in the Old Testament is to shout. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know what? There's there's an argument for, for, yeah. Okay. Agree or disagree? Pastors should design worship services first for spiritual seekers and second for committed Christians. I I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. Okay. And uh, last, agree or disagree? The best worship pastors... Uh, lead from the acoustic guitar. Oh, absolutely. Again, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> okay. Anyone that you want to return to or you're good just with your short answer? Uh, just the first one, uh, introducing a couple songs every month and getting rid of the old ones. That's probably a little overkill because um, uh, I know I get sometimes I get flack just from one a month. Uh, but no. Should we get rid of songs that aren't that aren't connecting with us anymore as a as a church or, you know, have done their time? Uh, yeah, and then we can bring in some new ones. Yeah, some yeah, yeah. freshness. Yeah, always sing a new song. You betcha. All right. Yeah. Um, one that I, I that, um, 
I guess I can speak to a little bit more as pastors should uh, design services first for the spiritual seekers and second for the committed Christians. Um, I don't think uh, pastors should be designing a service for either of those people. Okay. Um, I th- this and you know I'm not a pastor, so <laughs> I could say this. <laughs> um, but I think that that really we should be designing our services to host the Holy Spirit mm. and designing our services for that specific purpose. Mm. And I think when the Holy Spirit shows up, um, no matter who our congregation is, whether they're um, Christians for 40 years or, or, or new newborns in, in the faith, uh, the Holy Spirit will engage and grab their heart and right. they, will, they will experience God. And so when we host the Holy Spirit, uh, I think that kind of trumps everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A unique answer. I didn't expect that. Guys, uh, I feel like in some uh, in some ways we've just kind of scratched the surface of this topic, so maybe we'll have to do it again. Yeah. Uh, but Love thank to. you uh, for uh, sharing out of your heart and your experience, and uh, I hope it'll be of use to some real people out there. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Okay, we'll shut her down there. Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranalliance.com backslash real. Until next time, keep it real.